Uh, yo, 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 Thought Warriors, what is up? Harlan is on. It's I, Van Lathan. And it's me, Rachel Lindsay. All right, Rachel, you don't have time for the podcast today. You just told me to make it you quick. Know what? Don't be telling. Ain't like, nothing <laughs> sacred. <laughs> no secrets here. <laughs> Y'all, uh, my co host does not have my back. <laughs> um, Rachel has to be out. She has some other really important things to do. <laughs> and so we're going to make it. We're going we're gonna to do our first, best. But first, always higher learning. Higher learners, of course, for higher learners first. But we just had a really, really amazing interview with Jalen Rose. Mm hmm. Uh, and it's one of our, it's a longer interview for us, but we're going to leave it right there as it, as it is, because it is really fantastic. The brother yeah. is great. So we wanted to be able to, uh, to, to honor him and give him the space. So, you know what we're going to do? We're going to dismiss with the pleasantries, the how was your weekend and all of that stuff. We're not even going to care about that. We're going to jump straight into the topics. Let's go. Let's go. Let's do straight into the topics. Who cares, Rach? Cause we all know. <laughs> That you got some place you got to be. Um, all right. So as I thought, Ellie Kemper has apologized. I just want to talk about this real quick. I want to shout out Kimmy Schmidt. All right. She, <laughs> Kimmy Schmidt. They got on Kimmy Schmidt ass. All right. Let's see. So Kimmy Schmidt, she apologized. Let me look at the thing. It wasn't notes app. She gave us full text. So good for you, Kimmy. She said, uh, when I was 19 years old, I decided to participate in the debutante ball in my, home, in my hometown. The century-old organization that hosted the debutante ball had an unquestionably racist, sexist, and elitist past. I was not aware of this history at the time, but ignorance is no excuse. I was old enough to have educated myself before getting involved. I unequivocally deplored, denounced, and reject white supremacy. At the same time, I acknowledge that because of my race and privilege, I am the beneficiary of a system that has dispensed unequal justice and unequal rewards. There is a very natural temptation when you become the subject of internet criticism to tell yourself your, direct, your detractors are getting it all wrong. But at some point last week, I realized that a lot of the forces behind the criticism are forces I've spent my whole life supporting and agreeing with. I believe very strongly in the values of kindness, integrity, and inclusiveness. I try to live my life in accordance with these values. Blah, 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 blah. I wanted to apologize <laughs> to the people I've disappointed. And I promise that moving forward, I will listen and continue to educate myself and use my privilege in support of a better society that I think we're capable of becoming. What do you think about this apology, Rachel Lindsay? Good for you, Ellie. Ellie, mm -hmm. right? I almost said Kimmy. You got me, you got me thrown off. Um, I don't like critiquing people's apologies. Uh, That's not true. That's the, no, 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 no. That's don't not, talk about it. No, 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 no. That's not true. That's not true at all. You have definitely critiqued people's apologies Name. on here. Name them. Uh, okay. I, I, it's going to jump in my head. But by the way, higher learning audience, uh, you you should you should think about this. You, you've definitely critiqued people's apologies on here. I, I said I don't it. like to. I didn't say I'd never have. Okay. But and the reason I, it depends, like there could be circumstances, something said within the apology that makes me have a certain response to it. The thing, the only thing I would say about this is I'm very curious as to why it took her so long to write this apology out. Was a week? There you go. That's my, Critique I said a question. People. A question. I'm not talking about the contents of her apology, right? right? She said there's no excuse, which I think is super important to say in this. Acknowledge uh -huh. She's acknowledging her ignorance, but saying that that is not an excuse. And she's right. It's not. And she's vowing to do better, which is all you can ask out past that. Hmm. 
But it's a written apology, and it took her a week, maybe plus, to write it. I and love, so I love you. You just said I don't like to critique people's apologies. I don't apologies. like to. You're and forcing then, my hand. You're forcing then, my hand. <laughs> went into immediately. You're forcing my critiquing hand. Critiquing people's you, apologies. Oh, you would have been so upset if I would have been like, I don't want to critique her apology. Next up. No, I wouldn't have been. I would have been like, whatever you want to do. I'm not talking about that. I'm complimenting what she said in her apology. I'm just wondering why the delay? Because what she said is great. And I think, it, I mean, maybe she hinted to it a little bit. She said your initial response is to say, that's that's not the case. I'm not that. And 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 I understand that. But I I like what she had to say in her apology. I have no problems with what she said. I'm just talking about when she decided to say it. That's all. So I, I get it. I understand. So I'm looking at some of the celebrity reactions in the in the post. I'm sure it's positive. Retweets. It is. It is. So yeah. And Mindy, they should be. You have Mindy Kaling who gave five hearts. A five heart apology rating from Mindy Kaling. Oh, okay, we're rating That's it. That's right up there. Yeah. How many hearts are you giving it? You have no hearts. You have Wendy oh, wow. McClinton Covey. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Uh, she gave four hearts, so she was slightly less impressed. Just probably the timing. Um. Then Mindy Kaling. You have Katie Couric. How many hearts do you think Katie Couric gave her for this apology? She probably gave different emojis. No, she gave a heart. She gave oh one. She gave hearts. One heart. Whoa. One heart. Angela Kinsey, <laughs> one heart. Did she say drop a heart if you agree? Why is everybody giving hearts? People are giving hearts. <laughs> Mike Carlson, adore you, Ellie, but then only one heart. Rain Wilson, <laughs> three hearts. Only one heart. Aubrey Rain, Plaza, three. Wow. Three hearts. Aubrey Plaza, one heart. One heart. What people color is the heart? It. It, all of these hearts are red. Okay. So it's all red hearts. And then you have uh, Alec Baldwin. Who said, uh -oh. man, man, fuck them niggas. <laughs> that was his response. <laughs> oh, uh, my God. Listen, Look, good for I'm, you, she, Ellie. She's good I, with me. I don't care. Yeah, I think her apology is fine. Just curious, that's all. Give a shit. All right. Uh, I, I don't. Let's take a break. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore his seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, 13-year NBA veteran, TV personality, and host of the hit podcast, Jalen Rose Renaissance Man, proudly presented by the New York Post. Every Thursday, I sit down with the hottest celebrities in fashion, entertainment, sports, and more. I talk to chefs, rappers, journalists, and actors like David Chang, Nas, Katie Couric, and Gabrielle Union. Download Jalen Rose Renaissance Man podcast on your favorite platform. 
uh, Paul, Paul, Logan Paul, Floyd Mayweather fight. Did you watch it? I did. I did too. Did you pay for it? Nope. Illegal stream. Yeah, mine wasn't working. But do you know why? The only reason why we had to go to the illegal stream, the reality is that Showtime, you shouldn't even be mad at me that I did it by illegal stream because I tried several times to pay Thank for the fight. Thank you. You couldn't but get on. You kept I getting that get error. You kept getting the, that error. The error kept doing it. I tried Same here. Thing. So I wasn't going to go anywhere to watch the fight. I was going to chill out with Bozeman because he wasn't feeling good yesterday. Aww. So so um, he's better now. Everything's okay with Bozeman. So I was going to stay here and I wasn't going to leave. But then... You know, it was like I couldn't order the fight here, and I was kind of like, "Fuck Bozeman," like you know, you know, I gotta go see the fight. Wow, Logan so, Paul over Bozeman. Your so own, I went, your own child. I went to. Uh, he's okay. Um, I went to uh, Tommy's, and we watched the fight via illegal stream. Oh shoot! Did you go to Tommy's you, on Friday? You missed out. <laughs> I was still, I was still in Houston. It I didn't make fun. it back till Saturday. It was fun as hell. It was Aww. fun as hell. We was all sitting around talking. It was like we were making fun of Tommy because he was white. You know what <laughs> I mean? It was all of us. It was basically like Tommy was like he was like a child dropped off in the middle of Ghana. It's at his house and he invited nothing but black people. He's like he was like, you know what I mean? Um uh, uh, but no. Yes. What, what, what was your reaction to the fight? What'd you think? Um I I don't know if I was really expecting much. I wasn't. Mm -hmm. I didn't come in thinking Floyd was gonna knock Logan out necessarily. I don't know. I I, I don't know what I thought, mm. but I I was upset that there wasn't more fighting. I yeah. thought, you know, I, uh, Logan did what he came to do, and that was to stand eight rounds. That's what he wanted to do to survive all eight. He did that. He used his weight. Uh, to his advantage multiple times. There was a lot of hugging. There was a lot of laying on each other. There was a lot of against the ropes. I it was a, I mean, Ocho Cinco fight was better. It was. The fight uh, helped me realize something about myself. I'm a, I'm a messy bitch. Okay? What you do? I watched that, though. I watched the fight. Let me tell you something, okay? To everyone that watched the fight, Okay. All right. This fight has zero viability boxing. It's not a real competition. Uh, Logan Paul is 0 for 1 as a fighter, and the other guy that he fought was a YouTuber. So Wait, 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 wait. Oh, the other guy he fought that he lost yeah, to. Gotcha, he gotcha, was gotcha. a YouTuber, okay? Floyd Mayweather is 44 years old, okay? But he has been boxing since he was four years old. There is absolutely zero reason, zero reason to watch that fight. Except for one thing. You, just like me, <laughs> you are messy. Not you. I'm not calling you this because I'll go crazy. I'm saying in general, the people. <laughs> we some messy bitches is what we are. We some messy bitches. We don't like nothing more than some mess. That's what we've all become. So what do you think we were expecting? I what don't kind know of what, mess? It doesn't matter. Because Floyd knocking Paul out wouldn't have been a mess. It doesn't matter what we were expecting. Whatever happened in the ring wasn't going to be nothing but some mess. Nah. It's just it's, a bunch of mess. It's not a real sporting. Look, like, it's not. He, he, he didn't even look good. Like, Logan didn't even look good. Like, he didn't even look good. Like, yeah, Jake gets in there and Jake looks like he can do his thing. 
Logan didn't even look good. I'm like, I guess it's hard to look good against Floyd fucking Mayweather. But the whole thing, we just some messy. We just like mess. I'll, I'll be honest. If I had something else to do Saturday night, I wouldn't have watched it. I don't I, believe I, you. I had nothing else to do. So it was like, why not? I get a chance to see Floyd. That's how I, that's how I felt. But I'll tell you what was entertaining. What? Was Disa Samaro. Hey, good. And the guy who was with them, Mauro, is that his name? Who? Talk about the regular announcer that does the Showtime fights. He was hilarious. He's good. Yeah, he's really? Good. That was my first time really paying attention to him. Yeah. I, I thought it, that I was thoroughly entertained by. By the way, Disa Samaro were there Friday night. You missed out. I'm disappointed. You missed you, you missed out. <laughs> I mean, I was I, in I, Houston. I, I bet I bet you would have come if it was some mess. If I'd I, have told you, if I'd have told you, who? if I told you that Nene Leakes and Candy Burris was there, I, I would have booked <laughs> that flight so fast. Housewives. <laughs> no, I'm mad. I missed it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they, but they were fantastic. I, I thoroughly enjoyed them. Yeah, the fight was a dud. And to be honest with you, I, I'm saying all of this, but I, it's okay. I'm a messy bitch. But, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the next one because Tyron Woodley is fighting this? Jake Paul. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get that. I'm gonna watch that, that fight. one. But I, they asked Floyd after the after the match, would he fly, fight Jake? And he said, you never know what the future holds. I pray, I plead, don't fight Jake Paul. Yes. Don't, don't do it. Please don't like a part if, of me. I want it to be entertained, and that's why yeah. I watch it. And fine, I'm messy, whatever. But I don't want to continue to give them these platforms. I didn't realize Logan Paul had one fight and he lost it, and I did not know it was to a YouTuber until I watched the match. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to continue this narrative where we give these people platforms to make a mockery out of a sport that people spend their whole lives preparing for, mm-hmm. even if it is an exhibition game and it doesn't count towards anything. I don't want to see it. It was great to see it once. It was fun to watch. I don't want to see it again. Not with somebody like Floyd. Not with the Floyd. It, it, everything you're saying right now is a bunch of horse shit. No, I mean the it. The next one's coming, and you're gonna watch that. I'm not one watching. Too. No, 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 no. I'm not watching Jake Paul. Would you fight like to Floyd? Yes, I'm you not, will. I'll watch the fight in August. Yes, I'm not you will. gonna watch. I am not gonna well, first watch. Of, well, first of all, you just said you're gonna watch the fight in August, so you might as That's well watch the next Floyd. one too. I know, and you're gonna least... watch it again. How about that? You know what? You're gonna watch it. You're going to watch it, not Rachel. Not unless Tommy is throwing a party and hosting at his house. See what I'm saying? That's Tommy, that's what I was at Tommy's <laughs> yesterday. You're going to watch it. See, because I, I said I'm, I'm, on, I'm on my high horse, you know, because I like to get on my high horse sometimes. People know that my horse be high. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? My horse is tall and he smokes marijuana. So he's high two different ways. So, so, so I like to get on my high. So I'm like, yo, man, I can't believe we're looking at this. But then I thought, I'm buying the next fight. I love boxing. I love boxing. I'm buying Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley. And if Jake Paul beats Tyron Woodley, we'll have Tyron on here. I hope he he can um he can promote the fight before it comes on. If Jake Paul beats Tyron Woodley, I'm definitely watching Jake Paul fight Floyd Mayweather because Jake Paul is a better boxer than his brother. And I'd like to see if it looked different. I don't know what's gonna have to happen to make me disinterested, but I'm not I, there yet. I'm a messy. Bitch. It for me, it was all that talk, like uh, all they had the camera in front of Jake Paul. He is so annoying to me, both of them. But he's worse, and I think it just showed too. I don't want to see people fight in two different weight classes because he was able to use his weight as an advantage against Floyd, and that was boring to watch. Mm-hmm. And the same thing would happen with Jake Paul. I don't well, want to see it. 
Yeah, and I don't want to see a twenty-something-year-old fight a forty-something-year-old either. I mean, Floyd kept saying, "This was fun. This was fun." I didn't come to watch fun. I came to watch some mess. Uh, exactly. <laughs> I want to see that mess. I don't want to see you have fun. They do have to turn up the mess in the next fight, though. Yeah, all that stuff they were doing before. I don't want. I didn't pay for that. Turn up the mess. We we messy. That's what we are. Yeah. That's what we're gonna have. That's gonna be our first merch shirts that we get made for Higher Learning. I'm a messy bitch. <laughs> and everybody going, because I, I, that's what I am. It's all, no other reason to watch it. I'm sorry. No other reason to watch it. All right. Uh, so I saw something on the old Twitter sphere. Mm-hmm. And I promise you guys that we're going to get to uh, some serious topics here in a second. Because I know you guys like that. But maybe we don't want to get to serious topics. Who knows? Uh, did you see that Jay Z, Meek Mill, and um, Michael Rubin bought a brand new car for Robert Kraft? I did. The bottom of Bentley. The bottom of Bentley. For, for his birthday. 80? 80? I don't know. Who cares? Okay. Why does this annoy the shit out of me? Because it should. I, I don't know why. It's his birthday. His friends bought him a gift. This shit annoys the fuck out of me. And I don't really understand why. Am I a hater? I don't think I'm a hater. Well, what would you be hating on? Why does it annoy you? What is it? Is it is it Robert Kraft? Is it the fact that it was black men giving a white man a Bentley that he can clearly afford himself? So it's kind of unnecessary. Is it the public display of it all? Um, is it that Meek Mill has uh, has given much less to more to more deserving? I, I, I what is it? I'm all the not, above. It's not even about me. It's just. We don't need to buy no Bentleys for Robert Kraft, man. We we just really don't. We don't need to buy no Bentleys for Robert Kraft. First of all, I, I, I'm not trying to even bring up old shit, but Robert Kraft is a Trump supporter that recently got jacked off by a prostitute in Florida. And for some reason, just like all other people who have the five-foot thick stick steel walls a hundred foot tall steel walls of white privilege around them we still look at robert Kraft as some cuddly guy and i'm not saying he's not he might be but he was the president's best friend to the point that the president was trying to get them to drop the spygate probe for robert Kraft. correct and everybody's still hanging out with robert i get it i understand it it's, I, I don't know you it, do it, understand it? Why? I, I, well, no, I I understand that people have friends and some people are friends with Trump supporters. There's some people that listen to this right now that have friends that are Trump supporters. I can't ask people to throw away their friends. But goddamn, man, I'm just annoyed when I, it, it annoys me when black men run up behind white privilege, wealth and power like this. It's just annoying to me, especially because these are the these are the brothers. Mick Mill is a good brother. Obviously, Jay Z is a good, strong, powerful brother. Like it just it looks like it looked like my super sweet sixteen for a billionaire. It's annoying. I'm annoyed. It's the public display of it, and you didn't ask them to get rid of him as a friend. You asked for the not for them not to do this, and then to make it where everybody had to know what they did. I don't understand the purpose behind that. He wasn't in need of this. The man could go out and buy a hundred Bentleys for himself if he needed to. 
Yeah. He's probably not even going to drive it. He's probably not. Well, I, I, it would be interesting to hear why they felt they wanted to do this. And it's probably because they can well, and they wanted to. And now uh, what? I, I listened to the video. He said that he was having trouble finding the Bentley and they brought a Bentley that he in some way get out, get, get out. I wish you wouldn't have shared that. What's the next like, topic? He's like, you know, <laughs> I just, it just annoyed me. And, it and should. People, and when I saw it, it was like Jay-Z, Meek Mill, and Michael Rubin buy a Bentley for, for Robert Kraft. I'm like, why? 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 Oh, my God. Oh, my God. But, but look, shout out to Robert Kraft. Happy birthday. It's their friend. It's his birthday. They can do whatever they want. They can, but it they doesn't mean that do we, don't, we can't rec- uh, critique it. I, I, look, I'm not. I'm a emotional bitch is what I am. Wow. I'm messy and I'm Bitches emotional. Are flying today, aren't they? Dad. That's so, that's so great. <laughs> The bitches are flying. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds. I don't even hear how it sounds. That sounds know. like too short renting a jet. The bitches are fl- <laughs> the bitches are flying. <laughs> like that's like an actual too short song. <laughs> oh, uh, did you see the? Um, put this picture up for people that are watching. This is a picture of a girl. Her name is Layla. Uh, she's Sudanese. She's a mom of one, and she is. Uh, she was uh, dressed in her Burger King outfit. She works at Burger King, and she's a biochemistry student. She works at Burger King, and she happened to be working at Burger King when, let's face it, her thang was thanging. Okay, like her, it, it looked like, it looked like, her butt was running from her jeans. It was trying to get okay. out the back of her jeans so much. It was. And so, and apparently there was a woman that was in the Burger King who said that Layla was distracting her husband with her butt. Put the picture up right now. Do you think that that's distracting? Do you think that Layla, you don't think it's distracting? No. You wouldn't see that and be like, God damn. Not even like a little one? Where do you see it every day? Where do you see it? You see it in yourself? (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. Whoa. Don't do me. Don't do me. I'm not not, not (laughs) doing you. You're definitely not about to get me out of here. I'm not about to Chris Harrison myself. It was too easy. It was too easy. I'll be in the soup kitchen next. Just didn't (laughs) hear what you said about me. It'll be me and Chris Harrison texting each other like, I knew I shouldn't have got down with her. But go ahead. Um, no, it wasn't distracting. The no, woman is out here trying to do her job, and you got this woman coming here causing a mess, causing a scene to her mm-hmm. workplace. Listen, whoever this woman is, if you're worried about the woman behind the counter at Burger King, you got a whole lot more problems to worry about. I don't know if I should feel sorry for her or just tell her to get out of whatever situation she's in, that people can't work in their place of employment, have assets. And it's a problem. Like just natural born assets. And that's a problem for your husband. You need to leave him at home. So when you said that, are you saying that because you think that men won't have sex with the girls that work at Burger King? Because they will. How did you even get that? Don't uh, listen. I know you're on this messy bitch kick. Messy. But but nothing I said. Hashtag messy bitch. (laughs) Nothing I said even alluded to that. I know. 
Uh, it is weird that this woman was so pressed about this. It's so funny. This it must have happened be funny before. It ha- yes, it's, fu- it's funny. It's ridiculous. It must have happened before. Maybe not at a Burger King. Maybe at another fast food place. But she's been here before for her so, to react like that. So you think Maybe she husband. came home and saw her husband with somebody. Maybe she's had to role play in a fat. I'm not quite sure. There's something There's something like, baby, there. Baby, I want you to dress up like a Chick-fil-A girl tonight. Every time I give you one, I want you to say, my pleasure. That's what they say. <laughs> That's what they say at Chick-fil-A. It's so crazy to me. It's like, hey, can I have. Never even It's, it's like, it was, hey, can I have eight count nuggets? My pleasure. I'm like, God damn. I'm going to go through a Chick-fil-A just to see if they say that. They 100% will say my pleasure. They say that every time. It's almost like you've never been to Chick-fil-A before. I they guess s- I don't pay attention. To that. I just make sure they got my order right. My, my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And they in the uniforms. But she she obviously came out. Uh, Layla put this out there. The story's gone everywhere. Um, she was like, what am I supposed to do? Like not bring my ass to work with me? They need to give her a promotion. <laughs> Give her a promotion. Put her in an office. Let her manage so she don't have to do all that. She's bringing a lot of attention to Burger King. I think they should make her the supervisor of the buns. That would be like the, the best. So <laughs> what? <laughs> that way they could play into it. We've made Layla the supervisor of buns at Burger King. There, is, sure that there, there is a commercial in her future. There's something there for her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If Burger King wants to lean into this, if Burger King wants to be on the wrong side of history and make this girl feel bad, uh, because my brother thinks this is cap. He thinks this never happened. He thinks she's just using this for oh, the internet. Isn't thing. that sad that that's because of the world we live in and people just trying to get viral over social media? You have to question that. Also, yeah. also, did Burger mm-hmm. King change their uniforms? What? Didn't it look different to you? The top or the bottom? Because well, she's the wearing the bottom was just jeans. The bottom is jeans, and she's wearing a visor and then a Burger King shirt. It looks so you can like wear they the... had like a revamp. I don't know. I don't eat a Burger King, but the 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 uniforms just look different to me. It, you don't like sometimes me and Kalika would split split a Whopper. We'd I don't need a Burger one. King. A Whopper. You don't really is good. do that when you have Whataburger. You know what I mean? Whataburger fucking sucks. If Whataburger that? was in Louisiana, <laughs> not true. You would no. you would think you would say it in First a different of all, way. They yep. do have Whataburger in Louisiana. It didn't start there. And when they and when Whataburger came to Louisiana, everybody acted like it was a big deal that Whataburger was coming was. to Louisiana. And then I tried the Whataburger and it's fucking terrible. You know, like, I said I've the tried same, it several times. Burger. I, I said the same thing actually about raising canes when it came to Texas. That's fine. And that nasty ass cane sauce. It's whatever. You can mm-hmm. say that if you want. That's your taste. But I can tell you one thing: whether or not raising canes is good. Coming from Baton Rouge or whether or not Raising Canes is bad, it's not going to change the fact that Whataburger is trash. Okay, you're, the, and, you're out there. Hey, right now, Raising Canes, Whataburger. Put up a poll. You compare, Which is better? And you, you know compare, Whataburger, so don't, don't, get, up, don't get upset. Chicken tenders to a burger. Whataburger Listen, can't even afford ketchup. They wouldn't even put no ketchup Whataburger, on the burger. Whataburger, Raising Canes. Whataburger Which sucks. one? And by the way, they're, they're, their whole gimmick is played, too. It's like, could he I? He knows he's gonna lose y'all. Burger, he's trying to convince what a, y'all. What a everybody shake, just, everybody what a just fries. fast forward thirty seconds. <laughs> don't do this. What burger don't sucks. do this. Lemonade's the most popping thing. At, um, is lemonade I get? No, wait, that's Chick Fil A. I'm messing that up. It's the bread. Know. It's the, the bread at Raising Cane's. That's the, the bread best. Is good. The bread is good. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. That you know what? The bread's good. not good. Whataburger. Actually, that's not true. They have burger. Texas toast, and it's really good. Fuck Whataburger. All right. Uh, <laughs> 
uh guys we we got a very very amazing interview with a with a fantastic guest for you right now um host of the renaissance man podcast jalen rose former nba player philanthropist guys open schools he is a media personality on espn he does so much and he is going to tell you how he does it all right now are you looking for a view of the world that's a bit different hi i'm jason palmer a host of the weekend intelligence a podcast from the economist join us to hear the stories that matter most to our correspondents and editors every saturday we introduce you to people and ideas that take you outside the ordinary and expand your horizons one episode at a time Join us and see the world from a new perspective. To listen free until May 31st, search Spotify for The Weekend Intelligence. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Uh, Higher Learning Crew, we have one of the... One of the biggest success stories, I would say, in all of sports. It's a guy that if you know anything about him, it's hard not to love him. The accolades, I mean, we talk about on the basketball court, part of the Fab Five, successful NBA career, all of that. But then off the court, he's starting schools for people. He is involved in his community, and he is showing us what it's like to be a cool brother on television, man. Please, please help us welcome Jalen Rose to Higher Learning today. Jalen Rose, man. It's an honor to be here. Hi, Rachel. What up, Dovan? I appreciate the love. I definitely appreciate you taking the time to join the Renaissance, man, when I first kicked that off. Mm-hmm. And I definitely appreciate you guys having me on. So Absolutely. let's talk about... Let's start right there, Renaissance Man, which is a, a good way to describe you. Everybody knew Jalen Rose from basketball for so long, you know. You guys were legends, the Fab Five. Changed basketball forever. Some of the most influential basketball players of all time. But then when you finished playing, had a very good career, you started to show all kinds of dimensions to yourself that people may have, may have not known about when you were playing. Was that something that you did purposely? Did you want to show the world that you were more than a basketball player? Because a lot of guys just, they drink the hand for the rest of their life and they spend them in NBA checks. Well, what was different for you? <laughs> I, I did. And in high school and beyond, I took pride in my academics too. So mm. I never wanted to be considered a, a dumb job. And I once heard this from my uncle Paramore, rest in peace. He was like, it's one thing to be a Negro. It's another thing to be a big, dumb Negro. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I always took pride in, yes, I wanted to be great at basketball. I played my entire life. My father, who I never met, was the number one pick in the draft in 1967. And so basketball was always in my blood, but I did take school seriously. I did make the honor roll 
in high school. I did make the dean's list while at the University of Michigan. I left after my junior year. I did go back and finish my degree, you know? And so like, and, and radio, TV, film was my major at school. So it's almost like I'm one of the people in the country that actually has a job in the field that they majored in in college. Can I ask you one, can I ask you one follow-up? And I want to make sure I, I, I get to this. You never met your father, yet you have such pride in him. I hear you say that all the time. You, you never met your dad, but he was the number one pick in the draft. Uh, and I hear that. I hear you bring that up all the time. Like, really, I learned about who he was through you talking about him being your dad and bigging up him. Explain to me what it's like to really have that so sort of pride and that sort of for a guy that you never met. So we about to go higher learning for real. <laughs> so like that's 48 year old me talking. Mm. That's maturation. That's years of growing up in a single parent home, feeling like I was abandoned by my father who was famous. And imagine being a kid that was like going to hoop and carrying around your father's basketball card and you never met him. Like, Damn. That, that was my childhood. And I always, um, I always took it personal that I felt like he was in the NBA and he, he was living a, an amazing lifestyle, but I was boiling water to wash up and, you know, eating mayonnaise sandwiches and popcorn for dinner and stuff like that. So when I was a younger player, I wore number 42 in high school. His number was 24. So I did it out of spite. It was like, he gonna know my name one day. I'm gonna make it to the league one day. I'm gonna be better than you one day. I'm gonna buy my mother the house and get us out of the hood because you did. So like, that was always my motivation. And I really didn't have the stance or even start talking about it until like my NBA career was, you know, like 75% over. I never, if you look back at when I played, I never talked about my father in college. I never talked about him in Denver. I never talked about him in Indiana. I never talked about him in Chicago. Just later in my career, as I started to appreciate his role in my life, I had to find a way to let that anger go and also be a vessel to other young brothers and other young people that have broken families or grow up in broken homes. And sometimes you get that anger, you get that pain and you never forgive. And in a lot of ways it becomes volatile. It can become hurtful in so many ways to you um, in particular. So this is just uh, a mature version of me understanding that um, I got my basketball genes from him. Mm -hmm. um, he, 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 he did like there was a time when I was in the league and I was just standing on the sideline. Clyde Frazier came over to me and said, what's up? I'm like, Clyde Frazier saying, what's up to me? Like they were in the same draft mm. and they knew I never met my father. So like the elder statesmen in the league, when I would see them, like the big old and Earl of Pearl Monroe and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, like and Bill Russell, like they would give me love and give me confidence. And one of his teammates, Dave Bing, one of the top 50 players of all time was of my guy. Mm. I worked at Bing still while I was in high school and Dave and I flew to his funeral together 
in the late mid to late 2000s. And it was one of the most eerie scenes ever because he allegedly had 13 kids by 11 women. And it probably was maybe 30 total people there. Damn. And, uh, it was it was like an eerie, like, you know, wake up call for me as a man and as a human being about like, what do I want my future? What do I want my legacy beyond how well I play basketball to look like? And mm -hmm. I retired that summer and started working at ESPN. I had a couple of opportunities to go play a couple of other places. I retired that summer and started working at ESPN. Mm. Um, you talk about when you made that change into how uh, into the relationship that with your father and how you saw things and 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 all of that. But I'm very curious as to how you did it, like what what steps you took to make that change for the person who's listening to this. And then also a second part to the question: Do you feel a level of responsibility? to mentor these younger athletes to do more than just be an athlete um, and to do more off the court? Cause you're definitely a person who doesn't just talk the talk. You walk the walk as well. You must do more than just your sport or your endeavor or your day job because more is required. Like in order for us to like go after the reparations we deserve, it has to be each one teach one. That's just what it gotta be. The people that's trying to muzzle us and tell us to shut up and dribble or stick to sports is because they understand the power that we have in our community. And when we say, let's get out and vote because it's serious, you saw how they voted in Wayne County in Detroit. Hell and yeah. you saw what happened with the WNBA um, team in Atlanta and how they helped flip that election. And what happened in Wisconsin as the Milwaukee Bucks decided not to play. Like the real change can happen. Like one of the most famous and iconic um, sporting pitchers is the Ali Summit. Mm -hmm. Like it, it wasn't even an active sporting event. It was him protesting the fact that he was not going to go into the military. And so when you have Jim Brown and he there and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar there and Bill Russell there, it's like it shows the power of, of our platform and the power of athletes. Um, as it relates to mentoring other young people, absolutely. We have to do that. We should do that. It's our purpose. And just because you're a professional or your success story, it doesn't mean that you had to, didn't have to overcome a lot of turbulence. Mm -hmm. Like one of my favorite quotes is like it's from Rocky. It's like, I'm, I'm going, I know I'm going to butcher it, but it's like the world is a mean, the, the world is a mean and evil place and it'll beat you to your knees and keep you there if you let it. And it's like, it's not how hard you can hit, it's how hard you can get hit and keep on going. Like, that's real. Mm. Like, like that right there is real. You can say you want one job forever, that's unrealistic. You can say you want one career path, one boyfriend, one whatever, like one girlfriend, like all that's unrealistic. We're gonna each hit peaks and valleys. And so how you navigate that turbulence is now going to create your happiness and then in turn, hopefully create your success or put you in a position to chase your goals. Hmm. Um, why don't you feel like, well, hold on. I'm not going to say you don't feel like this. I feel like this. You just touched on something down in Atlanta uh, with the WNBA team down there. The ladies, the women of the WNBA 
have been as active, as outspoken, right. have taken as many chances, have done as much work, going back years, Correct. years, all over the place, Minnesota and Atlanta, all over the place. But to me, it doesn't seem like the ladies in the WNBA get the same type of credit that they do, that the, that the, the NBA guys do for being on the forefront of some of the social change and some of the things that we've seen. I know who Reverend Warnock is. Correct. Because of them. Me too. Like I, like that, they, they got me on that. And that's a big, big thing. Why don't you feel like they get as much credit as some of the fellas do? Well, a couple of things. For a very long time, so many people wanted to minimize their sport, partly because it just – a misogynistic viewpoint of how people felt like basketball should look. And it's just, there is a segment of the population in particular men that stupidly walk around right now and think that they can, you know, score 25 points against Brianna Stewart. Like, like those, those guys actually exist. Um, but what ends up happening is when your league is 81% black, also that level of power that you're able to, Willed when you say we're going to put Brianna Taylor's name on the back of each of our jerseys, like the, the the NBA players had 29 separate messages. They had one message. Hmm. So when you unify like a fist and you can move as one, now you cover more ground and you get more done. And that's exactly what they've done. They've continued to be outspoken and the reward happened. It's because now they're on ABC playing games, they're on ESPN game playing games, their ratings are up, the enthusiasm for the game is up. Rest in peace to Kobe Bryant. He was one of the people to help springboard the enthusiasm for the rebirth of the WNBA and people rocking the hoodies and stuff. And so it was just a, a, a minimalistic view of their league and of black women, not trying to necessarily give them their props for truly like being the backbone of our community. Mm. Mm. Um, speaking of games, one of the topics that we've seen a lot lately that's been in sports news are the fans. Now, it's not new that the fans have this type of behavior where they're taunting or doing absolutely ridiculous things to the players on the court, but it's been getting a lot of attention. I'm curious from you, how do you think the NBA should handle unruly fans? It's definitely racially charged and racially motivated, and I'm going to get to exactly why. I think the NBA and each of those arenas should make sure that those patrons should be banned from all events, not just NBA games. I mean, from concerts, from all events. And when you're sitting in the second row and you're spitting over 50 cent onto Trey Young, you notice that you're only looking at the camera view of that person's chest. But when it's Charles Oakley being thrown around by security, we see a hundred different angles. Word. Why we can't see who it is. That's my problem. It's almost like when we talk about police reform, it's one of the things that really disappoint me the most is that they seem to falsify the reports a lot. And to me, that right there should disqualify anything that you have to say after that. That's And, and so... Like it, it, it's, it, it's, uh, where was it? What'd you ask me again? About the fans. <laughs> I, about the unruly, how they should handle okay, it. Cool. Okay, yeah. cool. 
know, you know, storytellers, we walk out on the ledge. Oh, so. I know, I know. <laughs> I, but you hit it. You hit the point. You hit it. But you know, it happens to me all the time. I don't know if they pick it up in the podcast. I listen to it. I'd be like, yo, I forgot what I was talking about. Right there. <laughs> and, so, and so what ends up happening, what ends up happening, first off, the league should do that. Make sure those fans are banned for all sporting events, all events, concerts, everything that may happen in any of those arenas. But here's the deeper rooted issue. Like I grew up playing basketball in Detroit public schools. And what happens is it's kind of like the transformation of HBCUs to major universities. The, the, the best black players in the 60s went to HBCUs, but then the influx of cash came from the colleges and universities. And then that's when players like myself ended up going to the major schools, right? And so um, playing in a Detroit public school in front of all black fans, the audience, is a little different than um, you now see in the professional ranks. It's predominantly black players on the court, predominantly white people in the stands. And why do I do that distinction? When our rivals got mad at me in high school, right? They'll be like, you know what? We're gonna see you at the mall or we're gonna see you on the block or we're gonna see you whatever, whatever. And you know, majority of the time it was just talk because you was like, oh, like you ain't about that life. Like I'm right. an athlete, I ain't about that life. You know, they just talk and they trying to do whatever to make me choke. And so like my team will lose. Like they're not really trying to like do harm to me. But also if I do some great moves, they like ooh and then on, mm -hmm. right? Because mm -hmm. they respect the game. So when you get to college, it's more of a business relationship with the audience. It's like, most of these people have families that have had these tickets forever. You know, the term fan gets used like, you know, it's the kid from the hood that's paying $5 and his father taking him to the game. Like, that, that, that's not how it works. It's corporations and businesses that own these tickets. And what ends up happening is there's a level of disrespect towards the athletes because sometimes they forget um, while we were brought to the United States to entertain and to be labor, sometimes while we're performing, we're still human beings. We're not robots, we're not Autobots. And so now you spit on me during the game, Trey Young, quality young man, decided not to press charges. Right. He, like, he decided not to press charges. Now, Russell Westbrook, he's walking to the locker room with an injured ankle, throw popcorn on him. I'm going to get to the racial part of this in, the, in a moment. Um, John Morant and his family in Utah at a game. Yeah, the Jazz. Mm -hmm. You could Google some of the stuff they was basically saying to them. It's like some Bojangle type stuff they were saying to them. Right? Like, we're there for entertainment. We're there to shuck and jive, right? And so what ends up happening is when you disagree with me or you get mad at me, it's easy for you to disrespect me. Because you never respected me anyway. Mm -hmm. And I would say that they're treating us like zoo animals, but they don't throw popcorn at them. They don't throw <laughs> them. Yeah. So I can't even say that. Right. No, you're right. There's a guy named Howard Bryant. Had a very interesting tweet. Uh, Howard Bryant. Uh, I'm sure you know who Howard Bryant is. Had a very interesting tweet. It's interesting because it, it goes back to one of the quintessential Jalen Rose moments that happened off the court, which was the entire running 
argument or conversation that you had with Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless early last decade about uh, the position in the media of of the analyst or versus I guess just the commentator. Now that was about specific something that be happening between you and Skip. I remember you talking about your qualifications then. I wonder what you think about this. He has a picture up. It's of Rachel Nichols, uh, Richard Jefferson, Kendrick Perkins, and Brian Windhorse. And his tweet was this: "This this the formula that looks like diversity, but is actually killing black journalism. White woman host, white male journalist, two black millionaire ex players." In addition to having to compete against their colleagues, black journalists are now competing against ex-athletes as well. And I thought that was something, obviously, that is a very intelligent, unbelievably talented man. I thought that was a really interesting tweet because I am coming from from a different side than you are, right? I didn't make it to the NBA and... It's basically because they was hating on me, but whatever. I didn't make it. I, 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 <laughs> that's what Kim Baylor said too. That's oh. <laughs> <laughs> Boom! There you go. <laughs> Did you have his one point five as a junior? And we're not gonna go back over. We're not gonna go back over. We're not gonna go back over. I'm sure everybody's cool now. Just what do you think of that? What do you think of that tweet? So. I'm an educator, I'm a founder of a school, mm-hmm. and I'm also a graduate myself. And one of the things I wanted to do as a black man growing up in the United States of America, and I say this wholeheartedly in all honesty, like pick this game up that I'm dropping. I wanted to get as many accolades behind my name that if you closed your eyes, and if it was a 55 plus year old white man, and that's what they consider like being high self-esteem. Mm-hmm. I was going to do those things. For mm. example, get a college degree. I'm going to make sure I have that. Best-selling author. I'm going to make sure I do that. Columnist. I'm going to make sure I do that. Philanthropist. And the beauty of that is these are all extensions of my passion. So I don't necessarily have to like get out of character to do things in radio, TV, film. Like you could see me in college. I was always outspoken and I was always a trash talker, but I was always somebody that was really measured and paid attention to the game. And so for me now being a part of the industry, it's like my favorite rap. Like say growing up, I listened to all type of rap, but if I'm going to have an audience listen to me, I need to be more Chuck D. I need to be more Karis One. I, I need to be more Nas. I, I need to be more J. Cole because I want to make sure that I have the opportunity to feed the audience, but also inspire my people. Mm. Like that's truly important to me. And so that's why the show Jalen and Jacoby going from being a podcast and a radio show to now being on TV, like that was monumental for the culture. Yeah. Like when we first started that show, like it, you, people had bobbleheads up and like Sports Illustrated models behind them. I came in and big shout to the pod father, Bill Simmons. You Bill, know what brother. up? Yeah. And he was just like, do your thing. 
I was like, bet. So I brought this picture of Jay-Z that I had at the house. Big dookie rope on. He had the gold tooth in his mouth. He had the flat top that looked uncomfortable, but like he ain't had it cut. And now you look at who he is. And by the way, come full circle, I'm signed to Rock Nation. Oh, I didn't I know. even know that. Just yeah. think about this for a second. I use Jay-Z as a, my first picture of inspiration in J&J studio. We got on ESPN News, the photographer saw the picture, sued ESPN, and they made me take it down. And I go full circle in the media game to tell you this. What ends up happening is we got to continue to make sure we have creativity. That that's That's the whole thing. Like, anybody can look at a stat sheet and say somebody had 25 points, 11 rebounds, and but but the E is for entertainment. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And like I'm sitting here thinking, man, man, I might go do some stand-up comedy. Like this is what I do. Right. But what what also has happened is we start to now compete in a global market, in an international market as well. Right. So like the 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 I can say this in reverse. Television personalities now have to compete with former writers for a job once the newspaper industry started to be defunct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of those, a lot of those people, you know, were writers at the time. They weren't necessarily TV tele uh, personalities. But here's the overarching point: I don't care what your background is, or how many years you played, or how many years you didn't play. I'm not one of those people that feel like, oh, you can't cover the game if you don't have ten championships. Like that don't make sense. Like <laughs> you, 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 that that just like saying um, Rachel shouldn't cover the NFL. Because, because she, she never played, played football. football. Like, yeah. like that, like that, that just, that's actually ignorant. Like right. any, anybody that's read and studied and pays attention to the game and covers the game and garners respect from the people that they cover and are knowledgeable about what they talk about, that's how you gain respect in the game. But mm-hmm. what you're talking about and what Harold also is talking about is more like a, a positioning. And here's what ends up happening. Football and basketball are primarily black sports. So usually if you want to reflect the voices of the people that are still participating, see, when you see me talking on uh, NBA countdown, I'm saying what the players will be saying. Right. Yeah. Right. I'm saying what the former players are saying. Right. I'm not necessarily saying what, you know, a beat, a beat writer or yeah. somebody. Yeah, I understand. Correct. Yeah, like, right. Like, like I, I speak, I'm speaking the lingo that they would speak if they were in that position. So what ends up happening is in football and basketball, those now become black former players that are analysts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're a nationally syndicated show, you're going to have topics that come up that are about black and white. Right. Right. And then there's also sometimes a fear of making it look too black. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so what ends up happening is what you're describing becomes the balance that people like he can see and the people like we can see because we kind of been black our whole life. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Jalen, on a on a podcast recently, you were talking about, and this is kind of piggybacking on what you were just saying. You were talking about um a video of you debating Skip Bayless and you talked to, and you talking about Russell Westbrook and then 
the next day that you brought on Stephen A. Smith, and I'm paraphrasing here, but you said those two days of debate, and this was on first take, changed the landscape of the industry in a lot of ways. Can you talk about what you mean by that? Yes, it did. If, if like, um, if you Google some of the highest salary multimedia personalities and or if people like were to put together their favorite or what they consider the best type list, um, what ends up happening is some of that behavior, a lot of that behavior in, in many people's views, and in particular, a guy like Kwame Brown, he now looks at that journey and feel like, man, were they rewarded off of my pain? Mm. And that, that's kind of what he's discussing. And that debate, and I love Stephen A. Um, Skip still haven't talked to me, to be honest, since that debate, but it's still, it's all love. Wait, what? I, like, I, I, by the way, just, just, I don't mean to cut you off, Jalen, but I'm going to be honest with you. I watch that all the time <laughs> because I, I do. I, I, I seriously do. Because number one, I watched it when it was live and people don't understand is that just wasn't one show. That was one show, then two shows, and then they held a whole week. Ryan Clark was talking about it. Marcellus Wiley was talking about it. They like did a whole week on how ESPN, the way that they talk about people. So, and I, I thought that you and Skip were cool after that, but you guys really never got cool again. Well, um, rest in peace to Jeannie Rose. I lost my mother February 2nd of this mm, year. Yeah, and bro. I, want I think yeah. I lost a lot more of my filter about certain stuff too. Right. So I'm probably now saying things that I wouldn't normally say. Right. Um, and I don't care. But what ended up happening with that is like, I'm red and I, and see when you get into the game, like in any multimedia personality or journalist that you see, whatever education or whatever training that they took, I took too. Mm. Mm-hmm. It just so happened that I accomplished all of the other things that I accomplished as well. Right. Right. Yeah. And so in a situation like that, I'm trying to highlight the fact that, and by the way, on Jalen and Jacoby, I've retired a lot of words. I'm going to do a couple of YouTube videos. I've been thinking about it. It'll really be smart. And I think it'll help my people, our people. One is wife beater. We retired that one. Um, swag for obvious reasons. Um, there was another one. Bust. <laughs> Bust, what, yeah. One. Bust, but yeah. What ended up happening during that debate is name calling. So there's a difference between having an opinion about what you see and having an entertaining, you know, way to describe what you saw. Like, that's why you get paid the big bucks. That's why we're on TV. You, you should be entertaining. You should be funny. Like, I crack jokes on people all of the time, right? right? And so... But I try not to call people a name. And here's when you know that you've taken it too far, fans or supporters or media members. Either the curse words you use or if you call somebody a name. Mm. And Karis One is one of my favorite rappers. And I remember him saying he always keep a diss track for everybody in the top 10 in case somebody come for him. <laughs> a lot of people don't realize 
when I talked about Skip's high school career, like I was sitting on that for months. <laughs> I, didn't, right. I didn't just find out that like the night before. It's like, it was going to be a medium, you know, clap back. Is it a jab? Is it a body blow? Is it a head shot? Is it a kill shot? Like that's, it's a debate show, right? Right. And, and so in my mind, I got to be ready for whatever happens at all times. Mm-hmm. And I realized that he was calling Chris Bosch Spice. Bosch Spice. And I was like, hold yeah. on, like, hold on. Bosch like, Spice, Prince James, there was a lot of them. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And um, I knew that that was inappropriate and I was there to challenge him on it. And I did that with Russell. I did that with them and Kwame. And it was best professionally. I wasn't quote unquote banned from the show. Right. But after that day, I did not get asked to come back on and I did not want to go back on. So it was like mutual. It was just like best for the parties involved at the time. So like the next three or four years after that debate, I didn't go back on the show until he left. Hmm. You know, and I'm not going, but the interesting thing about that is as I used to watch and things have changed. um, I used to watch it all the time. Right. And I, these things never occurred to me, to be honest with you. Like I, I was to the point now. I know a lot of guys in the league now, and I know now how they deal with some of this stuff. And some of it, <laughs> it bothers some of these guys. Like it, 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 like it, it bothers them. But I thought it was all the same kind of like par for the course. But when you got it, Skip, about his stats. I saw it on his face. And then the entire next day, that, that was a, a, a day that made me want to be on TV even more. Because the entire next day, Skip is saying, I thought you got personal. I thought you didn't know the full story. And I'm like, do you know how many guys I know? I know I made a joke earlier. Do you know how many guys I know right now that'll tell you that they should have easily gone to the NBA, except right. for it was one coach or one <laughs> scout or one guy at one camp that didn't like them. And it's and everybody feels that way. But I really feel like now, especially with some of the stuff that Kwame's been saying, that that conversation about how we talk about each other in the media is, is, is being brought back up. What is the line to you? You said the name calling, but is it, what to you is name calling is what I would ask. Is it name calling to say bus? Is it name calling to say, is disappointment name calling? Like what's, like what's name calling? Right, so, and, and I think, what's this, baby boy? Ain't, ain't no fun when the rabbit got the gun. When the rabbit got the gun, yeah. Right, and, and, and so, and so, the media game has changed a lot. You youngsters out there can Google whatever and find out whatever and not have a real barbershop debate. Y'all get to the answer. Like, we actually have to debate it forever and never get to the answer. And so... I actually had to do some digging to find out that information about Skip because he was playing in the 60s. <laughs> Just think about that. He played in the 60s, man. You know what I'm saying? So I, I, had to, I had to scour. You had to gold. use microfilm. Right, because what ended up happening, is, and that's what happens in a battle, is like you catch on to something they said. And I hung on to him saying that, the coach was the reason that he didn't get playing time. Right. And he said that, uh, you know, his game re- reminded him of his game. 
his coach Pistol said Pete. he played too much like Pistol Pete. And I was like, okay. So that's when I, <laughs> <laughs> see, that's when I put the fully in the tuck right there. Right. But, but, but like it, it's, it's an opportunity to enlighten and it's an opportunity to entertain when you're a member of the media, but you can also educate mm. in your own way. And that's what I try to do. And by the way, that's, you know how hard y'all know, like, like that, that's like five different jobs happening at once. Yeah. Like you have to know what's happening. You have to know everything about everybody that's happening. It's like 500 people here. I got to remember everything about them since they were born. You can't mess up a name. You can't mess up a stat. You can't mess up where they went to high school. Can't mess up their nickname and da 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 da. But then also you got to flip and have flavor and flair and personality and educate. And so that's what I try to do with the opportunities that I've been given, but also be funny. And, and you said it, like players are smarter now than ever. They're more informed than ever. See, before it was like, if somebody wrote something about you in the paper or said it on the local news, it ain't like everybody in your family saw it. Mm -hmm. Like now it's like everybody see it. You got family members commenting on stuff and it's like, you can't ignore it and you can't act like you're ignoring it. And if somebody is doing more than talking about my performance, they're now damaging my brand. Right. Right. There are people that I want to pay me to come be, uh, do autograph signings and do car signings and sign a shoe deal and stuff like that. But when you give me a tag or a label, like those things stick. And so, I I think the number one thing you have to do is earn the respect of the audience. Like it's like being a stand-up comedian. You can be the funniest person in the world, but you go up on the stage and you're telling jokes that they don't understand, it don't matter. Right? Yeah. And so, so like you if you're going to be talking about other professional human beings who are at lead at what they do, then you gotta come correct and be knowing what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Speaking of respect. You just made some comments about LeBron James. So I, you know, about his play in game five and game six. And, you know, you, you compared it to Jordan and said Jordan wouldn't do that. Do, do you think you lost some respect for LeBron James and how he handled game five and six? And do you think the playoffs will be exciting without him moving forward? Not at all. Let me tell y'all a secret. He was tired. Yeah, he was. Mm. Homie was tired. He could say whatever he want to say. He asked they out of the game. Had, yeah, they had 71 days between the end of last season to the end of this season. The man's 36 years age of age, and he's in his 18th year. And he look over, and his homie's down? Like, mm -hmm. like my Robin is down now? Mm -hmm. He's like, man, let me, put, let me put this thing in fifth gear. Like, in game four at the end of the game, like the last minute and a half, He's like, here you go, Caruso. Here y'all move that thing. And then boom, he tried to throw a lazy pass to Marcus and CP3 stole it. And then in game five, they got waxed. Yeah. All right. And so in the third quarter, he like, it's five minutes to go. And see, this is what I mean, homie was tired. He thought he was going into the locker room with five minutes to go to turn into Superman in game six. Mm. He wasn't just like, he knew what he was doing. Like he was doing the LeBron thing. Like, yeah, 
I know everybody gonna have something to say about me leaving right now, but I'm about to get this hyperbaric chamber going a little bit <laughs> earlier. I'm about to get this ice going a little bit earlier. I'm about to get this bottle of wine going a little bit earlier and go to sleep these couple of nights. Like I'm gonna destroy in the next game. And it just didn't happen. Right. Yeah. And so when, when I say um, MJ wouldn't do something, here's in particular what I was describing asked to come out of the game. Mm. That's what I'm talking about. I am MJ ain't win 13 championships. I never seen him asked to come out of the game. See, I played against both of them. And I love this GOAT debate. And I feel like it's MJ Kareem, by the way, who gets overlooked in this debate. And because of social and political beliefs, the media dismissed him for so very long it didn't uplift his actual productivity. But with that being said, um, that in particular is what I was describing. Hmm. Never asked out of the game. Gotcha. So I got two basketball questions for you. By the way, you guys, the podcast, it's the Renaissance Man podcast with Jalen Rose. It's a fantastic podcast. He had a great guest on there one day. The guy's name was Van yes, I knew it. I knew. I've... He was fantastic. Come on. Come on got, with the next question. Come on. Don't waste this man's time. One question is hypothetical. And then the other question uh, is very, very real. Stephen A. Smith said that LeBron James's championship window was closed. No, you don't no. think it is. No, no. Here, here's why. Like every five, like the greatest players in the NBA win all of the championships. That, that like the Lakers and the Celtics have fifty percent of all of the championships and basically fifty percent of all of the Hall of Famers. Like the best players in the best organizations win in the league. And so now you have a story franchise, the Lakers. You still have LeBron. You still have AD. Now they still got to figure some stuff out now. Mm -hmm. What's going to happen with Schroeder? Anytime Magic comes out and say you, you're not an ideal Laker, that ain't good. Not as bad. Somebody trying to give you $80 million when you didn't take it, like that ain't good. Right. And then Montrez Harrell came over for a one-year experiment. Possibly, I think he has a player option for next year. He got to decide if he's going to opt in or opt out. I think those two players, along with Kyle Kuzma, will be like the three, three car Monty type of figures that you hear their names thrown around or trying to figure out if they're going to sign a trade or stay or whatnot. But every five to seven years, um, a, a unique champion jumps up and wins it in the league, mm -hmm. like Dirk did when he was with the Mavs, playing with Deshaun Stevenson and Jason Terry. and an older Jason Kidd, and they won the championship. That's how I look at this year. Of the teams still playing in the playoffs, the only two teams that have won championships in the history of their franchises were because they had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar on the Bucks, uh -huh. because they had Dr. J on the Sixers. The other teams have not won a championship in the history of the franchise. So we probably about to get a new champion, new blood and all of that. And so the reason why his championship window ain't closed, he about to recharge the battery now. Mm. It's mm. going to be tunes and goons. He going to be. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all going to look up and he going to be shirt off in the gym, working out with his son, mm -hmm. running mountains and like really because he like when LeBron was healthy this year, he was still balling. Yeah, he was the yeah. man. He was the MVP conversation. Yeah. Still balling, yeah. and so uh, and so now I I don't I, I believe that he got a nice 
like strong like two more seasons right. to like see if he can like go back to back type of thing if if they really up for it. Would you trade AD straight up for Damian Lillard if you were the Lakers? I would. And hmm. by the way, like Jay Williams, shout to him and Maria Taylor and my guy Woj on NBA Countdown. He asked me this question. And the one thing I've always said about Anthony Davis is that he was a top 10 player. But the one thing I always say it around da- about Dane is like he was hovering around being a top five player. Right. And the difference between those two is one was in New Orleans, one was in Portland. But while Dane was in Portland, he's still leading his team to the playoffs every year without a second consistent all-star. Like, AD didn't have a second consistent all-star in theory until Drew Holiday started to improve. But then there's some point in his career where he decided, you know what, I can't get it done here, so I'm about, where LeBron hooping at? Right. I'm about to have with Rich Paul. <laughs> like, yo, it's all, that's all, folks. He wore the shirt to the game mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah, right? Yeah. And so um, I believe that the Lakers championship window with LeBron isn't closed just yet. Hmm. All right, last question for me. Who are you excited for in the league? Like, who excites you? So, um, like, I'm really excited to watch the Joker from Denver play. I voted for him to be MVP this year. And I'm going to just tell you some of what I consider unusual or looks different to me because I've been staring at this stuff since the late 70s, right? Um, What looks unique and different to me is like the Joker initiating offense as a seven foot, 270 pound guy shooting threes off one leg. Yeah. Like I had never seen anything like that before. Like he's at, he, then the last series, he averaged like 35 and we like, it's like, we don't even talk about it no more. Yeah. It's like easy. Like he's about to torch the Suns. I feel bad for Aiden. <laughs> oh, but he, he ain't got two fouls right now. He got two <laughs> When you watch yeah. Jalen told me that these seven games, he got two fouls and three of them. And this yeah. backup is Frank Kaminsky and Dario Sarge. Good yeah. luck with that. And yeah. another player, Luca. Like, usually a guy his size, right? You could put a bigger guy on him. So you could even put like a Morris on him, or you could put a Kawhi on him and slow him down. Like we talking about Kawhi slowed down Luca yesterday, right? He had 46 40, and 14. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, like walking apart, <laughs> step back, shoot three. Like, oh, we down 10, two threes, bang. Yeah. And, and he's just too big for guards. Like Patrick Beverly used to be considered a lockdown defender. Mm-hmm. The chess move that happened in the Clippers game is that they put him on the bench. Yeah. Because he couldn't guard Luca at all. Mm-hmm. I tw- I tweeted that white supremacy is whenever Luca switches on a <laughs> package. It was bad, man. But look, Pat Pat did all he could, but that boy just something else, man. What else is special to me? Oh, Kyrie's left hand need his own league pass channel. <laughs> like, like that dude left hand between the, like I always wondered what Harlem Globetrotters would look like if they played in the NBA like Curly Neal and Marcus Haynes I get that with Steph Curry and I get that with Kyrie Irving they like Harlem Globetrotters playing in the league putting on the show um Kevin Durant 
Yeah. Like he's back from injury. I need to see like he he left the Warriors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Kevin Durant left playing with Splash Brothers. Yeah. Like if and so you go to the Nets, he like I'm trying to win it all. So I mean, he's a terrific scorer. So it's so many excitable players in the league. You know, I just need my Pistons to get 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 it right. You know. Yeah. I just need yeah. my Pistons to get it right. So this is my last question. This is the hypothetical <laughs> I was talking to you about. This is a question I like to ask retired players. Okay. I actually asked JJ Reddick this a couple of nights ago and he didn't have a response. Um, is there one Hall of Famer? I asked JJ this. Is there a Hall of Famer that was in, inducted into the Hall of Fame after 1985? that you feel like you could beat one-on-one? <laughs> I love asking this question, like a Hall of Famer. That like, like just, just for whatever reason, you'd be like, he's a Hall of Famer, but you know, I got him. You know Man, what I mean? I'm gonna tell you a secret. So like, <laughs> um, there are a lot of Hall of Famers I feel like I could beat in one-on-one. <laughs> <laughs> like, for real, for real. Because <laughs> like, one on one has a lot to do with the strength of your game. It's just ones, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. and so I was a tall guard, and I could play with my back to the basket. Right. So like, I, I, I'm I'm going to score points. Right. So if it's if it's if it's make it and take it, like, and I get hot, I'm going to score on a lot of people. Like, right. how about this? I bet every Hall of Famer that I played against in my career. I had a 30 point game against them. Mm. Let me think. Trudy, um, check the stats. Yeah, Trudy, <laughs> you got this. Yeah, I played against LeBron. I played against LeBron. Now, Kobe torched me. Shout out to the Black Mamba. I just yeah. had to say, Kobe torched me for 81. I love Kobe. I miss him so very much. But I gave Kobe a couple of 30s in the NBA Finals. LeBron, Carmelo. Um, yeah. That's a good collection of scalps right there, bro. Yeah, Trudy, get on it. Get on it. <laughs> <laughs> look at we thinking about it. Uh, look, Jalen, we could do this all day, man. One of my favorite guys to talk to. The podcast is the Renaissance Man podcast with Jalen Rose. Like, uh, I, I was on there. Run down some of the other guests you've had on the podcast for the people. And I definitely appreciate you joining me. And it started in September of last year and I'm just really proud of like how the audience has grown, how the guest list has grown and how like the versatility of the show is. Shout out to Master P whose jersey hanging up behind you. Oh, he yeah. was part of the guest yeah. on Renaissance Man, by he the gave way. Me that. Yeah. The Colonel. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. Man, I, that by the way, I told P owe me twenty thousand dollars in no limit gear. We was hooping at UCLA. And we were shooting jumpers and shooting threes. And uh yeah, I gotta I gotta talk to him about that. <laughs> but but I've had uh I'm really proud. We've had uh Killer Mike. I who's some of the artists? I've had Nas Killer Mike. Oh Big wow John was my first guest, said the entertainer, yeah, Katie Couric, um, um Adam Silver, Mark Cuban, hmm. like 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 very diverse. Van Lathan. Van Lathan. You know don't hype up. Don't Angela do that, Jalen. <laughs> Make sure y'all check it out. Download it on Apple. Download it on Spotify. You guys are crushing it. Congratulations. And I got a higher learning point that you guys may already, already know. 
Mm-hmm. Y'all know that movie. Y'all know in that movie there was a mo- part where Fudge was telling Omar Epps, "What would you do? You was at a game, and the national anthem came on, and everybody stood up, and all of the white people was looking at you. What would you do? I'd be so embarrassed. I'd probably stand up. <laughs> right." <laughs> Right, right. Yeah. So that was a spinoff to Mahmoud Abdul Raouf. Yeah, that was one of my teammates in Denver. When you look at those photos, I played with him a couple of years. Mm -hmm. So that's also a fast forward hat tip to our brother Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, he and then got white ball from the NFL. So that story, higher learning, brought full circle. Mm. Amazing. Brother, Jaylen, we, thank we appreciate you. you, man. We appreciate you for joining us today. Appreciate thank you so love. much, brother. Appreciate it. Anytime. You. Reach out anytime. Appreciate it. Fantastic interview with Jalen Rose. Fantastic. So good. He's the best. I feel like every time I hear him talk, I learn something new about him. He's dope. He's dope. He's dope. Yeah. He, he invited me on his podcast, you know? You know yeah, who else? I, was? How many? Uh, uh, take a drink every single time Ben said <laughs> that he was on Jalen's podcast. We get it. Okay, we get it. I didn't say that. I sat at the table with him at first take. I didn't say that. I didn't throw that out there. It didn't seem like he remembered it, though. He didn't say it. We didn't say it. He greeted me when he got on. Okay, he He was here to promote his stories. He was here to promote the podcast, not first take a show he is not on. If I had been on Jalen and Jacoby, he would have talked about that. He told us why he wasn't on first take, too. Uh, Since Skip has been there. Now he's been back because I was with him. All right, you guys, uh, the Democrats have a problem. We're only going to hit one political topic for you right now. Um, the Democrats have a problem, and that problem is Senator Joe Manchin. Okay. Uh, <laughs> in an op-ed to the Charleston Gazette Mail, Manchin made it clear that he will uh, not only vote against the For the People Act, which is a pack, pack, uh, which is a package of election reform bills being pushed by his party, but he's also opposed to any effort to end the legislative filibuster as a way to pass several of Joe Biden's Joe Biden's policy reforms. All right, policy proposals, should I say. So Manchin has been a thorn in the side to the Democrats for a while now. Uh, Bakari Sellers called him out specifically on some of his intractability surrounding the Joe, uh, excuse me, the George Floyd uh, Violence and Policing Act. Manchin was trending on Twitter and the trending topic was he's a Republican. Yeah. First, first thing I want to say to that is, you guys, it doesn't matter whether or not he's a Democrat or a Republican. Stop feeling like that D next to the name means that there is any allegiance to any one specific cause or any one specific group of people. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. You don't agree with that. You think that's Brad? You hate you love the Democrats. Well, I don't think that they're more so caught up in the the title of it. <laughs> Do I love the Democrats? It's just more of the way that he is making decisions lean towards one side more than the other. Or the lack thereof. Linked, that's, linked. You're, that's very fair. You're, you're right about that. So maybe they're calling him out and saying that he's actually a sleeper cell mole in the Democratic Party. Right, I right. don't like people being too allied to political parties at this point. Yeah. We need to be allied to re, uh, results on the issues. But uh, well, that's what that's what Joe Manchin says, because yeah. yes, Joe Manchin, he wants to be bipartisan. So that is what he's doing. Huh. Um, and that's fair. I mean, look, if he feels like that's look, if he's against anyone, it's America. Anybody who's against uh, people having the right to vote or the cops <laughs> uh, having the right to kill black people, you know, anybody who is for one of those things, for the cops right to kill black people 
or against people having the right to vote, hey, knock yourself out. Knock yourself out of that if that's what if that's what being bipartisan and being open minded and free thinking is to you. I don't think it's very controversial that we shouldn't have voter suppression. Right. And I think that, you know, Joe Manchin is from West Virginia. So I think there's a delicate dance that he has to do in his own state Correct. because that be Trump country up there. Um, so he can't be too far to the left on anything, no matter what's the, what's the right or wrong of it. The question I'd ask you is, what do you do with a guy like this? I, I He's hurting the party at this point. Like whether you're, uh, when you when you come out and you do a whole op-ed in the paper and you talk about all the problems with the bill and why you're not, what you're like, why you're not voting for for the People Act, what you're doing is hurting the cause. Because if on one hand you're saying you're about democracy and people having the right to vote, then you're not understanding what the For the People Act is. You're not understanding the confines of that bill and what it's there to do. Just because you it's commendable that you want things to be bipartisan, but it's almost as if you're living in an alternate reality that you're not understanding that by not voting and not even just not voting for it, but coming out and talking about why it's so wrong, you are helping the other side of it. Yeah. And it would be different if somebody from the other side was coming to help was where you were coming together with someone from the other side to have some sort of resolution on the issue. But you're right. not. You're right. not part of you're not helping it. All you're doing is talking about why it's wrong. So how are we going to get this to a bipartisan place if that's what it is that you're that you're fighting yeah. for? So what he says is that the the uh, voting rights itself has become an incredibly politicized topic. And he thinks that what's actually happened is that the Democrats are positioned in this bill in order to provide some sort of advantage to them. Okay. Uh, he thinks that action on federal voting rights has to has has to in and of itself be bipartisan. That if it's not Democrats and Republicans coming together to make it happen, then it actually has no merit and it does not benefit the American people. I guess my thing would be. To me, I understand the sentiment of that. Right. I understand. Hey, this is something that affects Americans on both sides of the aisle. So don't we need don't we need some solutions on both sides of the aisle or a mixture of solutions from both sides of the aisle uh, to make that happen? I guess my thing would be on its face. This this bill make Americans uh, freer to vote on this face. Does this bill forget about who sponsors it? Forget about where it comes from on the face. The merit of the bill itself, mm -hmm. the merit of the proposal is that going to help Americans experience their right to elect state and local and federal officials in a more efficient way is this going to work for people and then if the answer is yes who cares who on the left or the right exactly support it and so exactly. i and so for me i i i have problems taking what he says as a truth on his face but i'll tell you one thing right now we have to make Manchin very, very famous. He's not famous enough. He right now is a guy that's like, he's your favorite rapper's favorite rapper. We need him out there front and center as the mascot of the scourge of the progress of so many Americans. Because we're talking about voting rights, right? And we're talking about uh, the Violence and Policing Act. And these are things that this guy seems like he doesn't want to happen. So... Mm -hmm. Manchin got to get a little bit more famous. I like it. 
Yeah, that's not that's it. That's Mansion, like Mansion, gotta be a little bit more famous. We gotta get Mansion famous. We gotta, we have to make sure that people have this because we can talk about the Mitch McConnells and all those people like that. But he's also against the filibuster, so it seems like he's trying to impede the progress of whatever Biden and his administration want to do. So against, excuse me, against reforming the filibuster. So he's trying to impede the progress of of what Biden and his administration are trying to do. So it seems like Manchin is pretty cool with maintaining the status quo. Absolutely. And and then where does it stop after this? If that's your excuse for everything, that this is a this is a partisan bill, then what are you going to say about the next bill that comes? Oh, that's partisan, too. Oh, that's partisan. So at this point, we're not going to get anything from Joe Manchin. If that, that that's what he's hiding behind, which I feel like he's got a Republican agenda, which is why I think he was uh, trending on social media, because if that's what you're going to hide up behind, that can uh-huh. continue. That can continue forever. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Saw sure. That? Yeah. I saw you. I, I saw you I catch that, that I, mic. <laughs> Rachel caught that mic, man. It's like, Woo! <laughs> I, like, I'm telling you, man. Just snatch the mic. All right. Look, you guys, we gotta go because Rachel's gotta go. She's gotta. You didn't get to talk. do your van serious question, but I think it's the Whataburger versus Raven Kane. Yeah, it is. is. We're gonna do the serious question on Thursday. Uh, It's not that. That's not my question. You can't. He he doesn't want to lose, y'all. He doesn't want to lose. You know what? Fuck it. Let's do it. Van's (laughs) very serious question of the week. Because I'm not worried about this. For people who have had both, what is better, Whataburger or Raising Canes? Okay, that's that can be the very. I'm not about to push me up. Ways you crazy? That's Baton Rouge, baby. That's Baton Rouge, baby. Fall down. Is that uh, the sign for Baton Rouge? So the four right here in Baton Rouge, okay? The four means the bottom. So there's the top, four up, and there's the bottom, four down. Oh, wow. If, if you, and it's not like, uh, this is right here, four down. That's the bottom. Yeah, do it. Do it. Rep, the, rep Baton Rouge, four down. That's the bottom. McKinley, all my people. Shout out okay. to everyone. You repping. Don't disrespect. That's, we do this. Don't what well, you do that. So you you your blood. Okay, cool. No, that's not blood. That's an well, O and a you, C. You made a B. Oh, oh, Cliff. I'm seeing <laughs> the white people listening to this. Y'all don't understand. Y'all don't have to deal with gang politics in your neighborhoods. It's so much more fun that way. You know, <laughs> you know we have signs to represent where we're from. Gardier was that. But anyway, all right. Look, Van's very serious question of the week. What is better, Whataburger or Raising Canes? The the cold, fucked up burgers. Or crispy, <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Take the counts off, but do not stop learning. I am Van Lathan. I'm Rachel Lindsay. We are out. Bye, guys. <laughs>